1: Recently, I've been getting very excited about growing bedding plants from seed. So I sowed some easy ones that grow well at low temperatures because I haven't quite finished my greenhouse heating system yet. And I went for Geladias, which are a lovely daisy flower. And most exciting of all, poor man's orchid or Schizanthus. I haven't grown Schizanthus before. You'd have thought I would after all these years. But I'm very impressed at how well it's grown. And the beautiful flowers have been going on and on from an early stage and it needed very little heat to grow. You'd have thought after all these years I'd have tried everything, but no I haven't. That's the joy of gardening, there's always more to find out. And in today's show, we're exploring just that, the joy of pushing ourselves to try out exciting planting and styles in the garden, from getting the jungle look with lush exotic foliage to the delicate precision of growing miniature trees in pots. I'm Guy Barter and welcome to the now award-winning Gardening with the RHS. Coming up, we're learning all about the art of bonsai, taking a stroll among the palm trees in RHS Wisley's exotic garden and hearing why the banana plant is special for one gardener. But before all that, let's start at Wisley.
2: My name's Emma Allen and I'm the garden manager here for Formal and Decorative Display. So I'm sitting in a corner of the exotic garden surrounded by bananas looking out at palm trees and exotic looking conifers and there are gingers and cannas coming through. So the colours that I'm looking at at the moment is a lot of green so we've got lovely palm fronds and big juicy banana leaves but we've also got some persicaria coming through, a cultivar called red dragon that's got a lovely purple leaf and we've got cannas coming through which are also purple-leaved and then in flower we've got dahlias popping up so there's a riot of colour with the dahlias as well. The exotic garden we created in the summer of 2017, this used to be another rose garden. It was the Jubilee Rose Garden. We've already got another enormous rose garden next door, the Bowes Lime Rose Garden. And we never really did exotic gardening in a large-scale sense. So we had the odd subtropical bed. Or we summed down on seven acres and was it was rather incongruous next to oak trees. Whereas this was a completely enclosed garden already... So it made sense then to create an exotic garden here, lots of beds, and have it enclosed so you really feel like you can get lost in the jungle when you're in here. We have a hardy structure and then a sort of half-hardy structure, so things like the bananas get wrapped every year, some of the palms get wrapped, but most of them, like the carpus, the hardy ones, don't. So that structure's here and the conifers is here all the time. We don't really change that, but we do play around with the understory. So I guess where we play around with plants, it's with the more tender layer, which is almost like doing bedding, dare I say it. So this year we're having fun with orange flowered, daisy style, exotic looking plants. So things like Tithonia, or we've got a kind of burnt orangey, ruby red sunflower to come in here, or some of the Gazanias. So playing around with that, other times we brought the tree lilies in as a new thing, and they're still going strong. So we do play around like that and then also we have accidental experiments like we'll leave a tender plant out not expecting it to survive, take cuttings and then find out that it's come back the next year so Fuchsia boliviana did that for us. When we first planted the garden we had some of the plants in the garden already so as I mentioned we've had subtropical bed in oakwood so a lot of the bananas came from there because we already had them and some of the palm trees the smaller ones came from there too and then we went to nurseries that specialize in exotic plants uh, whether they be hardy or half hardy or tender and so we had great fun shopping at all these amazing nurseries all over the uk it was a lot of fun I think if you want to create an exotic garden in your own home, the easiest way of doing it is to get hardy plants that have the exotic look. Then you don't have to worry about wrapping up bananas over winter, taking cuttings from your butylon in case it doesn't make it through, digging up your dahlias if you've got maybe a heavy clay soil and they won't like the winter wet. So I think the best thing to do is get some hardy plants. So really obvious ones to me are the hardy palm, this Trachycarpus fortunii, And things like Fatsia japonica, which is quite an obvious garden plant that people have, but has those really exotic leaves. There's another species called Fatsia polycarpa, that's got more defined lobes on its leaves. We also use Echinacea, which is hardy, and that comes back for us. Tetrapanax comes back for us. The conifer structure is all hardy. Also things like Tricertis or large-leaved hostas, or irises, blotilla, which is a hardy orchid. Anything that's hardy, I would go for in the first instance rather than make it challenging. But if you do want to make it challenging and depending where you are, then start introducing things like cannas and gingers and dahlia. You may need to give them a heavier mulch in winter for all of those, or with dahlia, you may need to dig them up and overwinter them in dry storage, depending on what your soil's like. We are very lucky in Surrey, we have well we're lucky in one sense we have a sandy soil so it's very free draining which is great for winter wet but obviously in summer means everything dries out quicker and we need to water it more i love this garden and i'm not meant to have favorites but i do partly because this was one of my projects so i've got a fun place and i'd always wanted to design an exotic garden i always feel like when i come in here in summer i'm not in surrey anymore i feel transported to Somewhere in the subtropics, Cuba maybe, or you know Central America. It's just got a whole different feel to it, and I love the exotic leaves of the palm trees and the bananas. I love the quirkiness of the conifers that are dropped in, like the Pinus montezuma sheffield parks, which have such character, and then just the colours with the flower forms from the Cotleyas, the gingers, the calla lilies, Santa Decia, dahlias. We've also got a really lovely bulb that comes up called Tigridia, which has an amazingly vibrant pink flower. People always ask about that when they see it, because it's quite unusual, but very hardy. I love it for lots of reasons.
1: Emma Allen in Wisley's exotic garden. I love this little oasis of formality in Wisley, and it's crammed with plants that you would never think would survive winter. One of my favourites are the passion flowers. They are brilliantly floriferous in late summer. They clamber up over arches and trellis. And of course, the passion flower is so intricate, it's amazing. And we've got a really nice selection that Emma has grown there. Banana plants pop up throughout the exotic garden, and they're one of the most dramatic looking plants you can grow. As Emma pointed out, it's very possible to grow them outside in the UK. Of course, when we're talking about bananas at Wisley, we're not talking about the tropical fruiting forms that give us the luscious supermarket fruits. We're talking about things like Musa basjoo, that is remarkably hardy, not completely hardy, but remarkably hardy with a bit of protection, and that can be induced to survive year after year. Now, bananas are not actually trees at all. They don't have a trunk. They're a kind of herbaceous perennial. So very often, we have to remove the foliage from our wrapped banana trees come spring, From below ground, new leaves shoot up in next to no time and produce those exotic displays. So what you're seeing each year is a brand new set of banana leaves, which is quite an accomplishment. And one grower, based in West London, has been keen on these tropical-looking plants
3: from a very young age. My name is Tayshan Hayden-Smith, and I'm the founder and director of grow To know One of my favourite plants is the banana tree. So my first memory of the banana tree was when I bought it as a, an 11-year-old or 10-year-old child at my school summer fair. At this school fair, there were so many different things that I was able to buy. And I think other people were drawn towards cakes and toys and all sorts of things. But there was this banana tree that was sitting in the corner and it really did pull me in. I don't know, I don't know what it was at the time, but I think just its interesting shape, you know, it just looked like it had so much water to to grow. And I think for me, it wasn't something that I was used to seeing. I love tropical plants. And I think that the fact that the 10-year-old me bought the banana tree at my school summer fair is definitely reflective of that. So the banana tree that we have, you know, since I was 10 years old, it's been about 13, 14 years now. And it's grown into this beautiful, big leaf. It kind of looks like it's kind of reaching out In many different directions and it's taken up this very small corner of our garden but it's thrived into this beautiful really green banana tree and it's even started to flower and it's also stemmed off into many different banana trees so there's the main banana tree which is really thriving but there's also four or five my sisters managed to pot up the rest of them and yeah so there's about four or five small banana trees that are kind of uh, sitting underneath or sitting around the big banana tree Bananas in themselves, I mean, it's really cool because obviously I'm a big lover of bananas and I used to have them in my porridge every morning or with my Weetabix or whatever it might be. And and actually that connection between, you know, having something for breakfast every morning and then actually having the plant outside, I think it kind of did change my perception on things. And it does because it's very convenient just to go to a shop. And I'm not saying that I've got bananas from my banana tree, that's not true. But um, it's very convenient for you to just go to the shop and get bananas and not ask the question as to where that's come from. And I think having a banana tree in, in the garden and just, you know, my mum kind of raising that point that actually bananas come from this tree, I think it does change your perception on things because it, it makes you ask, oh, well, h- why do we get our bananas from? Or, you know, where do we get our bananas from? And why do we get them from shops? They're, they're really important questions for a young person to think about. In your search for those answers, you actually become very aware and, and, and empowered and educated in, in your journey. I definitely think that we should become a more self-sustainable you know, more passionate about growing our own food and being more more aware of what we're doing and how we live. During the wintertime, we'd wrap it up. So with this banana tree, we'd wrap it up with bubble wrap just to ensure that it didn't struggle in the frost. And actually, I think the climate in the UK is slowly changing and that's another reason why I think even more so we need to be more aware of, of how we maintain and, and manage our lifestyles. But this banana tree we made sure that it was watered every week Um, and i think another important thing is to protect it during the the colder times so when it's definitely through the winter months to wrap it up with some sort of protective material to wrap it up we just use bubble wrap and that helps it survive through the frost i think the banana tree itself has a very sentimental value to me i think in the nature of which i bought it I think it's just very reflective of my journey and, and how I've got to be where I am now. I think, I didn't think at the time, oh, this banana tree would look great in, in my mum's garden. I didn't think that at all. I thought this banana tree just looks cool. I want it. And I just got it without even thinking about it. I just brought banana tree. I brought it home and my mum was like, what are we going to do with this? We haven't really got the space. But um, it's turned into this really beautiful tree in, in, in my mum's garden. And I think even more so that my mum's not here anymore. I think it's, it's a beautiful um, memory to cherish you know it's something that nature has always been something of my interest due to my mum and i think it's a really nice sentimental plant that i can always reflect back on and, and remember that those conversations i had with my mum whether it's in buying that tree or growing and nurturing and looking after that tree or even just being in the garden and and just subconsciously engaging with that garden whilst i was in that in that garden you know when we had a barbecue or whatever it might have been kicking a ball around i think it's just very reminiscent of my childhood, and I think that's why that banana tree is really special to me.
1: Thanks, Tayshan. Maybe I should give one a go myself. I always love learning about new plants to grow, or new ways to grow them, from zinnias through to abutylons, but one technique I've not had much experience with is bonsai. This is the art of growing dwarf trees and shrubs from seedlings or rooted cuttings and keeping them permanently small. Some people find them beautiful, while others think they're a form of torture. In last week's show from Hampton Court, we heard a very lively debate between host Chris Young, garden designer Bunny Guinness, and the plant review editor James Armitage. All about just that. Let's hear a clip. Bunny.
4: Bonsai. Not that that's, that's not my special name for you, but bonsai. <laughs> what, what,
0: what are you thinking about bonsai?
2: Oh, bonsai. If I lived in a flat with a windowsill, I would probably be heavily into bonsai because I would love that intricacy and it would keep me busy. Therefore, I think I must really love bonsai.
1: James. Well, then, I have to admire the skill behind bonsai. No, you, you can't not admire it. When you see some of these specimens, you think this is just a miniature version of something which should be a 60 foot tall tree you just think wow that's incredible well done but it doesn't hold a fascination for me it does strike me as cruel um you know if 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 plants could squeak they certainly would squeak if they were a bonsai well bonsai i like them i like them a lot i think they're really beautiful True, they are a form of torture of trees, but then nature is cruel. And think of all the trees you see stunted and clinging to life on a cliff or onto a rock. So we're really only doing what comes naturally. And you could say that the process of bonsai prolongs a tree's life, because all that clipping and training keeps them young and healthy. And also, if they turned into a tree, they'd soon be firewood. So I'm for bonsai. And one place where you can see an amazing array of these tiny trees is the Bonsai Walk in RHS Garden, Wisley. Let's head there now to join Peter Goodchild.
4: Bonsai originated from China over 2,000 years ago, and it was a blend of the ceramics industry, well, art, and the horticultural art over those years, and it was the manufacturers of the ceramics wanting to kind of bring the horticultural Side of the garden into their house. So it started from there and it is pretty much bonsai translates to plants in pot. It's quite straightforward really, kind of self explanatory. The main parts of it is the pruning, so they're not cultivars that are miniature. If you planted these out in the ground, they would romp away and grow to full size trees. But they are pretty much your normal tree that has been grown in a pot and restricted. So Part of that is root pruning, so every three to four years we'll unpot them, cut a third of the roots away and put fresh soil around them so then they've got some nice soil to go into and get their roots into. And this is a crucial part of growing bonsais really because doing that helps the plant with drawing up water in the summer months but then also it stops them growing too fast and kind of getting them so you don't get the kind of real regrowth that these people struggle against it's normally easier to grow from saplings so you can buy saplings from lots of bonsai nurseries you do get quite a few seed packs and I like, can buy them from seed packs but the problem with that okay. is that if you're going into quite specialist plants they take quite a long time to germinate so with a nursery selling you saplings they've done the hard work and you're kind of then just growing them on from there and they normally Get to a certain size and then slow down so you can enjoy doing the like kind of manipulation of the branches with the wiring. The main thing is watering and making sure that they're watered. So, here at Wisley, we water the plants twice a day in the summer, sometimes three times a day when we have that warm, dry southern air coming in and it just kind of pushes past them. And then in the winter, we still water them if we haven't going through dry spells, just to keep the soil damp and making sure that they're not completely drying out. And then when you're looking at soil mixtures, you want drainage. You don't want them to sit in like a claggy mix. So you want to have the soil quite open and light. So having like a perlite mix with John Innes number two, peat-free is a really good option. And then in the spring, as they're coming out of dormancy, we give them a handful of chicken manure pellets as well just to kind of give them a bit of a boost in nitrogen because obviously in the summer you're watering through and it can wash all the nutrients away so it's just to make sure they kind of get that boost if they haven't gone through that repotting period. They're all hardy so they stay outside all year round and we don't bring them in and that's One of the main things that people kind of get wrong with bonsais is that they'll see them in the plant centre and they're normally shown indoors, but actually if you look into how they're grown in the wild, most of the bonsais that you'll buy are like the aces or pines and they're perfectly happy outside and people struggle because they bring them indoors and keeping them watered is the main reason for death on bonsais and from talking to customers and through my own experience when I first started growing them. Um, So here at Wisley, we have a wide range. So we've got mulberries, um, we've got beech, we've got pines, we've got different species of aces. But then we've also got some fantastic junipers, which are over 100 years old. And you really get to see... I think the junipers are my favourite because we've got quite a few different types where they're just sat on slate. And that's quite a hard one to do because of the watering because they haven't even got a pot around them. So they dry out quite quickly. But then with the junipers because they're slow growing you can manipulate them and kind of strip the bark back in places and it creates that natural image of what uh, that tree would look like in the wild but in a a miniature form so what i love about bonsais are the fact that you can pretty much bonsai anything and one of the things that i'm i'm looking at getting is a wisteria because anything that flowers is a huge interest we have a crab apple so in the spring and we've got a few rhododendrons as well and seeing those what you would see in a normal garden but on a small scale and you can walk around them you can kind of really see them in detail up close. It's an art form so it's not about how old they are or like the size of the trunk it's just down to beauty and, and a lot of things like with art it is what you like so you can really grow them however you like. And if you were to try these, I would say to start out with aces or a larch because they are kind of a bit more forgiving with the branches and you can kind of manipulate them a bit more and also they're quite fast growing so you're not going to be sat there for 10 years and only get a couple of centimetres growth in it. and then once you get really into it then you can start going on to your kind of more specialist and slow growing bonsai.
1: I love the bonsai walk at Wisley. The little trees are displayed in lovely pots on pedestals so you can gaze at them at eye level. They're beautifully maintained. And I think they're the most wonderful way to enjoy bonsai. Thanks, Peter. That's all we have time for today. I hope you're feeling inspired. If you've tried a new type of plant for the first time at home, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at rhs.org.uk and as ever if you want to know more about anything we've covered today just visit rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast before i go i wanted to let you know about a special project we've launched here at the rhs it's called the flourish fund and we're offering grants of up to fifteen thousand pounds to support organizations across the uk that are helping people learn how to grow and we're particularly interested in hearing from those looking to help improve diversity and social inclusion within gardening. The deadline for applications is midnight on Friday the 13th of August 2021. You can apply for the grant online, just head to our podcast pages for the links. Thanks for listening.